Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to Simply Holy, the podcast for people who want to live a joyful life in Christ. I'm Mark steinhake Benelin, and I'm delighted that you are here with me. Jesus was a rebel. What got that circling around in my head over and over lately were two items that popped up in my news feed recently. The first being... One that has to do with Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres, who is the was the Bishop of Arecibo, the Diocese of Arecibo in Puerto Rico. He was relieved of his of his leadership of that diocese, and an apostolic administrator was put in his place. There are two reasons cited. Now, these this article I found in a publication, online publication called The Pillar, but you can, it's all over the place. So there are many, many, many sources reporting, but basically they're all saying the same thing. So the first reason, or of the first of the two reasons that, that are, are typically given, the first is that, that he resisted sending his diocesan seminarians to attend a new interdiocesan seminary, which had been approved by the Vatican just a little under two years ago. Now, I don't know the background of that, but that's, those are the facts. That's what, that's what it was. And he, he didn't want them there. And, and, and I, I don't know. I don't know if that's his right not to send a seminarian there or not. But, but the Holy See did not, did not care for this. So they somehow saw this as problematic. The other point was that Bishop Torres had refused to sign a 2021 joint statement that was issued by the Puerto Rican bishops. And that statement said that Catholics have a duty to be vaccinated, and that's in quotes, duty to be vaccinated against the coronavirus, and did not see how a conscientious objection can be invoked from Catholic morality. So so this statement basically it said Everybody has a duty to be vaccinated, 
and no right to be to be to exercise their conscience. And what I do know about that issue in general, not even in this particular case, is that actually we are morally obligated to follow our our conscience. And we have the right to follow our conscience no matter what, because God gave us our conscience. And and so we have to follow it. But but Bishop Torres would not sign this this statement. And so he got relieved. So that's that's that. The other one, the other item that I saw, which also raised my eyebrows, and again, I, I heard that phrase echoing in my head, Jesus is a rebel. Jesus was a rebel. And and so what happens here, this is in the the Diocese of of Burlington, Burlington, Vermont. And and it's Bishop Christopher Coyne, he removed a pastor from his position at his parish because the pastor, and the pastor's name is Father Peter Williams, the pastor refused to be tested regularly for the virus and to wear a mask while ministering. Now again, one can, and you are very welcome, to have your thoughts one way or another. You know, he's wrong, he's right. But, but the fact of, of this man, in a sense, it reminded me of Jesus being a rebel where he felt very strongly that this was not, this was not something that could or should be obeyed. He was following his conscience. And Jesus, of course, if we go back to our Lord being a rebel, he, he kind of was the conscience. <laughs> you know, God, God is God gives us our conscience, but but he followed, he followed his conscience. He co- followed his mission as as the Son of God, and and he did this in in a number of ways. And I'm going to cite just a few for you. You can look them up in Scripture, and I'm sure you'll find lots and lots of examples. But the first one is that he tells he tells the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, they're really they're not happy with him at all. You know, he's a troublemaker, he's a rebel, rebel. And he is he is trying to get what they from their viewpoint, trying to turn the people against them because they had a lot of power and they had a lot of governance over the, the people, and they didn't want that. They didn't want this rebel Jesus to come along and, and mess that all up for them. They were, they were also very wealthy because of all of the tithes and such given to the temple. So, so this was problematic for the Pharisees, and then Jesus comes along, and he starts working with the Jews and, and telling them, you know, these laws, these laws are nonsense, Really is what I mean. He didn't use the word nonsense, of course, but but he tells them that this is these laws are for show. They're they're just for show. They're they're technicalities that are being laid upon everyone to give the Pharisees and the scribes more power and more influence. You know these meticulous meticulous laws. Now that is not to knock modern day. The, you know the, our Jewish friends who live today. They're they're be- it's actually beautiful, what the customs that they do and why they do them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about back in Christ's time, the Pharisees and the scribes, who used 
they use the law as as a form of tyranny, as a form of of controlling the the people, and even down, it's kind of a it was it was like the the ultimate micromanagement, basically laws that they had to follow throughout the day, or they would be condemned. And and so Jesus comes and he says he says no 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 you know what this isn't about the law itself. This is about having a heart for God. Now, the Pharisees didn't like that, obviously. This is about having a heart for God. And he, he tells the Pharisees that, that they, what this is, is it's hypocritical zeal. Hypocritical zeal. So it's, it's like this false, false, you know, oh, we, are, we love God so much, and here are all these laws, and you better follow them or else... And Jesus says, well, it doesn't mean anything. Those, those laws don't mean a thing if you don't have heart for God and if they don't mean something in, in respect to your relationship with God and your giving of yourself to God. And there's a passage. It's, it's in Matthew chapter 5. And Here's what he says. This is verse 17. I, I will read this to you because I'd, I'd like you to think about it as I read. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He's talking about not the crazy wild long list of laws that the Pharisees and scribes put together to micromanage the people. Now, these are really, this is my phrase, this is my way of of describing this, okay? But he's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about God's law. And he came to fulfill God's law, not to abolish it. He wanted, he came so that he could set the people right, so that they were following the laws for the right reasons and in the right way. So he was a rebel. He was a rebel because he went against the law, law that he thought, laws that he thought were unjustified. Unjustified, counterproductive, and did not bring people closer to God, but perhaps even could have led them away from God. Because if you focus too much on the mechanics of laws and so on, then you, you lose that heart. You lose that relationship with God. Now, the other thing, the second thing I want to bring up is Jesus, and again, he was really ridiculed by the Pharisees because what did he do? He ate he ate with tax collectors and sinners. And, and this was scandalous. He absolutely scandalized the Pharisees by doing this because you weren't supposed to have in those in those days. And you, know, I think you know what I think we we tend to do this today as well. But but in those days, the the 
the the Pharisees taught that you dare not have you you just dare not have anything to do with sinners because they they were dirty. They somehow soiled you. They they brought you down. They they made you unclean. So you don't have anything to do with sinners. Not at all. And, and tax collectors were lumped in with with the the sinners because in a way they were uh, traitors uh, in the sense that they they were collecting taxes what for the Romans and so they were working for the oppressor and and that they they were just looked down on period by everybody so so but but Jesus eats with them okay he eats with them and 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 you know so to speak hangs out with them and this this enraged, scandalized the Pharisees. So there's a section of, of this gospel in which, this is Luke chapter 5, in, in which Jesus, Jesus did dine with the tax collectors. As a matter of fact, he ends up, Dining at Levi's house. Who's Levi? Levi became Matthew, the Apostle Matthew. All right, so here's, here it is in, in Scripture. Luke 5, it starts at verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything and rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others sitting at a table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now remember, this was, this was ridiculously awful. You are now unclean because you're hanging out with these unclean people, right? We shouldn't have anything to do with them. Well, Jesus' response is this. Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, that's, he's being a rebel. He's being a rebel because he reaches out. He goes and he, he hangs out. He dines. He travels. He, he cures sinners. And the Pharisees, this was... For the, the establishment of that day, th- this, was, this was scandalous. This was, was worthy of more than just criticism, but, but you know, when they're seeing all of this, they're already beginning to plot his, his death. They need, they need to get this guy gone. They need to get rid of this guy for good, not just, not just lock him up, not just send him, not just exile him, okay? But they want him dead because he is... He is a rebel, and he's not going along with their ways. He, he should never, in their eyes, he should never dine with these sinners and tax collectors. How awful. How just awful. Well, then there's the situation of the adulteress. Now, this is in John chapter 8. And Jesus, Jesus he, he's, he's coming He's coming from the Mount of Olives. He had been praying and spending time there with his father. And he 
goes to the temple, and the people all come because he's got a reputation now as being a great teacher. And, of course, again, another rebelliousness in the eyes of the Pharisees because they were the teachers. They were the only ones who should be teaching the people, not this, not this rebel Jesus. So they all come, and, and he sits down, he teaches them. And as he's teaching in the temple, the scribes and Pharisees want to try to trip him up. And he, they're always trying to do that. You just, just, read, just read the Gospels. You just see this left and right. The, the scribes and Pharisees trying to trip Jesus up, catch him. Because why? Because they want him dead. They want proof. They want proof that they have a right, a reason to put him to death. So, so the scribes and the Pharisees, they bring this woman into the temple and puts her in the middle of everybody. Well, the woman had been caught in adultery. Now, in that time... In that time and place, a woman caught in adultery would be stoned to death. No questions asked. You were caught in adultery, you're done, you get stoned to death now. It was awful. No, no trial, no, no leniency, nothing. Nope, dead, gone. Get rid of her. And in a very painful way, by the way. Okay, so they bring this woman. They put them in the, in, in the middle. They put her, I'm sorry, in, in the middle of everyone and and before Jesus and then they say to him teacher this woman has been caught in the act of adultery now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such remember here they are trying to play the law against Jesus okay so they say now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such what do you say about her they said this of course they they were testing him all right because they're looking for a charge to bring against him so so Jesus doesn't say anything, but he bends down and writes something with his finger on the ground. And as he's writing in the dirt, they continue to ask him. They're still pestering him because they want, they think they've got him. They think they've got him trapped now. And, and whatever he says or does, they're going to be able to bring a case against him. Now, just an aside, some scholars, some scripture scholars believe that what Jesus probably was writing in the dirt with his finger, he wasn't just scribbling or doodling. They believed that he was writing all the sins of the scribes and Pharisees to show them their own sinfulness, the sins of the people. He was writing, he's writing this all in the dirt so they can all be faced up front with their sins. It's right there. It's right there in the dirt, all their sins. Okay, so that's what he's doing. He's writing with his finger on the ground. They keep pestering him. And finally, he stands up and he tells them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Ah, that's an awesome line. I love that line. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he bends down again and he continues writing on the ground. Well, they hear this, and what happens is that they all leave. They all, they all leave. That one by one, beginning with, it says, beginning with the eldest, they leave, drop their stones, walk away. And when the crowd is all gone, when it's completely dispersed, Jesus is there, and he's alone with the woman, and the woman's standing in front of him. 
Now she's probably terrified because I would imagine she's gonna she's might be thinking he's gonna just kill her outright. Who knows? You know, I mean that's she was in a very scary position when you think about it. So Jesus looks up and he says to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And what she says back to Jesus is, No one, Lord. And then Jesus says to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and do not sin again. The rebel. Jesus is a rebel. You do not just let a woman caught in adultery escape, walk away without stoning. He is being rebellious. And what is what what you know in reality, what is he doing? He's he is exercising, he's executing justice, real justice. The woman is repentant. And because Jesus can read hearts, of course he knew that. He knew exactly where her heart was at. Maybe I'm sure he knew all of the circumstances of the, the adultery also. And where her head was at, where her heart was at, and and her real, real repentance. And so what he's doing is he's rebelling against the, the law. He doesn't stone her because what he really wants, he, he doesn't want, the answer is, ne- is not necessarily just put these women to death, but the answer is to, and this is true of everybody in caught in sin, any kind of sin. The, the answer is not to destroy the person, but rather to give them a chance for repentance. And this is what Jesus does. He gives the woman a chance for repentance. That's complete. That is definitely being a rebel. You didn't do that. You didn't do that in that day and time. The Pharisees, I'm sure, were just hopping mad about that situation, embarrassed at their own sinfulness and realizing, wow, I, you know, I am not sinless, so how can I really stone this woman? But, but in the end, he again, he wins. Jesus wins, like he always does, and they're proven wrong. And the, the powers that be tend not to like to be proven wrong by the rebels. They don't like that. So, and then finally, finally, we're, let's look at his lifestyle in general. Now, I don't have any specific scripture passages for this, but just in general, Jesus again, was being the rebel in that, look, he, he told, he told Pete, the, the young man who asked him, you know, well, where do you stay? Show me where you stay. And Jesus tells the young man, well, I have no place to lay my head. In other words, I don't even have a home. Jesus was homeless. I mean, it's interesting when you think about it, but by choice. And, and the reason being is, again, he was being a rebel. He was rebelling against materialism. I think, in my mind, that's how I see it. He was rebelling against materialism and, and these, these misconceptions that we need this or that. We, we can't exist unless we have such and such. And so in, in his beautiful, godly, rebellious way, he's showing people, no, you really don't. <laughs> no, you really don't need all that. He was so poor and and... He was rebellious against, again, the materialism and the greed and the lust and all of those things. He 
had no place to lay his head. Now, I, I don't mean that we have to, you know, give up our homes and so on. But but it's just an idea of, of even, you know, all of the advertising, all of the celebrities, all of this stuff on the Internet, and it's always geared toward uh, convincing us of what we need. you got to have this, you got to do that. you got to update your phone. you gotta, you got to have this new uh, other gizmo. Hey, you know what? Seasons have changed, so now you got to go out and get new outfits. Whatever it is. And we need to ring a bell against that because they're trying to convince us that we need something that we don't. Maybe we do need something, but that's, that should be an educated choice and not, not impulse. And, and so Jesus, no place to lay his head. So he's, he's showing people, you know, rebel, rebel with me. Be a rebel. Rebel against the, the establishment and these false conceptions. Also, and just that that little, and I'm sure you'll recall this, they, Jesus and his, his disciples also get criticized at one point for pulling some wheat off the stalks on, a, on the Sabbath and eating them because they were hungry. And, and there were other things that they were doing that the Pharisees didn't like. And so Jesus tells them, Sabbath, was meant for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is absolutely being a rebel. So the Sabbath was, you know, with all of the micromanaging, all the laws that you dare not break, that was one of them, how to keep the Sabbath. And you had better not do one tiny, itty-bitty little lick of work on the Sabbath, or you would be dirty, you would be sinful. You'd be unworthy. So, so Jesus says, no, it is the other way. So Sabbath, Sabbath is meant for man because that is a day of rest. That is the day to give to God. And not the day for following these very, very strict laws that might even, and in the case of the disciples that day, might even prohibit us from taking care of ourselves. You know, the law is more important than the very human needs of the people, then it was more important than the needs of the heart of the people to to really focus on God and connect with God. So, so another with Jesus's lifestyle made him a rebel. And then the last, the last thing that I I think about when I think about Jesus being a rebel, is that he was convicted as a criminal. I mean, the ultimate rebel, right? He was convicted as, as a criminal. And why was that? Why did they finally, although the charges were false, but what finally got him into big trouble was that he remained true to his God-given identity. Now, he is God. So he remained true to his identity as God. And that's a signal for us to remain true to our God-given identity. That's what we're, we're, we're being called to be rebels, to remain true to our identity. The identity, not that we, we place in ourselves, or not that the identity that the media tells us we should have, but our God-given identity. And what was his identity? He was the son of God. He never gave up on that. And this got him into big hot water with the Pharisees. He, this is so rebellious. You don't ever 
equate yourself with God in their eyes. Although they did, they did kind of make themselves, uh, they made themselves mini gods in in governing over the people. But but in any case, he remain he remains true to his identity no matter what. He's being a rebel. He's like the two clergymen in the beginning of of the podcast. He is following his conscience, and I, I understand that's a little that's kind of a far stretch because. Yeah, Jesus is conscience. I mean, he's God. Conscience comes from God. But I, but you understand the analogy, the parallel there, and and as he's as he's being, he knows he's going to be. He's caught. He has been arrested. He's been he's been beaten, and he's talking to Pilate. And Pilate says, "You know, do you not know I have the authority to save you or put you to death?" And because he wants Jesus to to save himself by giving in, by not being a rebel anymore, just give in, give in. I I want to save you, and and Jesus says, you would have no authority were it not given you by God. So authority comes from above, not from human beings. And that was that was a major, a major rebellious statement. So, so that's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was a rebel, and we're being called to be rebels as well. To stand up for what's right, no matter what. To look at the laws, to follow the laws, not because they are. Because we fear consequences. And I'm talking about God's laws. I'm not talking about civil laws, okay? To follow God's laws because we love God above all things. And like Jesus, sometimes there are civil laws that are unjust and ungodly, as a matter of fact. And so we need now, you know, I'm, I'm da- please, I'm not... I am not telling you to go out and cause a ruckus. That's not at all where I'm going with this. But I, I, what I'm saying is we need to be aware of what the, the unjust laws are. We need to be aware of when we should be a rebel and work, a, work to change that. Work through the proper chain, channels to change that. But we need to stand up when... It's time to stand up and not just walk away. Well, thank you so very much for joining me. I enjoy our time together. And, and I ask you, please, to like this podcast, subscribe, please, to my channel, and share it with others. And then go to my website, marchfenelin.com. Subscribe to my Merry Mail newsletter, my weekly reflection. Right now, you have the great opportunity to subscribe to 40 Days, 40 Verses, which is a brief yet powerful Lenten reflection. Be in your inbox every single day through Lent, 40 Days, 40 Verses, and that's margefenelin.com. You can find my books there as well. You can find out how to book me for a speaking engagement, either in person or online. And my blog and other podcasts are there as well. Until soon, my friend. May God bless you. And 
May our Mother Mary protect you. And may every single day be a day lived in joyful love of Christ.